It's not the fear of writing that blocks people. It's the fear of not writing well. Something quite different. Scott Birkin. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Lee Esses. In case you couldn't tell by the opener, we are talking today about writer's block. As a continuation of our Frequently Asked Questions series, we are going to try today to answer the question of how do you get past writer's block? The last two Novembers, we've offered different kinds of suggestions. Every time I sit down to edit these episodes, I pull out the part where we talk about what we do. And so this is the moment you all have been waiting for-ish. Writer's block is a huge problem for a lot of us. And it's not always because we don't have ideas. It's because we don't think the ideas are good enough. Or in my case, I don't feel like I can do these ideas justice. So what is writer's block? You've heard the term. You may not know exactly what it is. You may have experienced it, but don't quite know still that that's what it is. Writer's block is when you sit down at the computer or sit down with pen in hand, fingers on the keyboard, and you just stare at it. It's like that little blinking cursor is just mocking you, going, ha ha, you can't figure out what to write. One of my favorite sayings about writer's block is, it's when your imaginary friends refuse to talk to you. Really, that's exactly how it feels. If you try to force it, it just, it comes out wrong and awkward and it honestly feels forced. And you just look at it and go, let's get rid of that. You tear out the page or you delete the whole page, whatever. And you're back at a blank document. Yeah, I have been guilty of writing a scene and then saying, no, this is stupid. And then rewriting the exact same scene and then tossing that and then I've done that more than once. The scene that I have to write next is in that category where I've started it and went, no, I don't think that's how I want to start it. Well, how about, oh, no, well, that didn't quite. And before I even get the words down on the page, I'm judging myself. And then you get stuck on the one scene and you can't move on because you haven't written it and it's a key scene. And if you don't figure out what's happening in it, You can't do anything else. That is honestly why I scrapped the entire first 55,000 words of Katie Ratio. Some of it will zombify. Yes, I will zombify some of it. But I got to that scene and I just, nothing was working. Nothing was working out and I felt that block and I couldn't get past that block. In our research for this episode, I came across a quote that basically said, Writer's block isn't your fault. There's an issue with the story, which I thought was interesting because I haven't necessarily experienced that as much. That was this case. I feel like there's two different kinds of writer's blocks. There is that where there's something wrong with the story. You forced the wrong thing and now things don't make sense because a character did something out of character or because you tried to make it happen one way when really it should happen another way. That's one kind of writer's block. And then there's that other kind that we talked about at the beginning where it's your own criticism of your own work that's holding you back. And sometimes the one can look a lot like the other. For me, 
I've identified writer's block happening two different ways in my own world. And one is definitely that fear of writing the wrong thing, being afraid of what you're about to do. And then the other is literally just not having a clue what to write. Like, I have no idea what happens next. I feel like that happens a little more with pantsers than with plotters. When I experimented with pantsing about a year ago, I I felt that far more often than I felt the, I know what needs to happen, but I can't write it. So if you're listening to this and you're saying, I've never experienced that before. Well, that's nice. Yeah, we and basically every career author out there envies you in that. But I can tell you that I would guess that you are not a career author if you're saying you've never had writer's block. I would guess that you're fairly early in your journey as an author or you're not terribly disciplined in your writing. Which basically means you write whenever the whim strikes, which was how I was when I started. When I started writing, I didn't experience writer's block because I just waited for inspiration to strike and then sat and wrote and then called it good. So most of your life was a writer's block with bursts of inspiration. Yeah, but I didn't recognize it as writer's block because I never sat down and tried to write. If that's you as an author, as a listener to this podcast, that is okay. If you don't want to be a career author, if you don't want to treat it like a job, if you just write to express yourself, like dancers just dance in the rain and they never have to perform, great. Do it. If that's what you enjoy, awesome. For me, writing is not only about storytelling and entertaining other people, but it's about a creative discipline that pushes me to grow, to move forward. Part of the evidence to myself that I still have growth to do is when I get stuck on something. So, Lee, what is it that you do when you do get stuck, when you do have that writer's block? How do you personally get over it? In that exact moment, I will change tasks. So my writing time is divided not just in putting words on paper, but also editing my own stuff, editing someone else's stuff, and if none of that is working for me, reading. So in that exact moment, I'll just hop to something else. Sometimes all I need is space and time to solve the problem. If the issue is I don't know what to write about, I'm between books, we have a task for the writing club where we have to write about something I know nothing about. A great way to inspire me and to get that muse running full force is to learn something new. Learning new stuff can open channels in your mind. It can open doors that you didn't even know were there. I like to learn through reading or through podcasts. Some of my favorite podcasts are the How Stuff Works collection. I especially like the Mist in History and Stuff to Blow the Mind, which is a science-y based one. These give me a new perspective on something that already exists in my life, and that helps me look at the world in a different way. I'm a big fan of true crime, so I like to listen to true crime podcasts. I like to watch true crime shows. And that really comes in handy when I go to try to write a murder mystery. I have things that I've learned through these podcasts about the investigation process, about the actual murder process that can help me in my writing. 
One of the things I think we both have in common in how we get past writer's block is to read. Sometimes ingesting entertainment will not only help you distract from the problem at hand and therefore get you out of your own head in a way, but when you're admiring some fantastic writing, it's very easy to go, I want to do that too. It helps with the inspiration side of things and reading something, living in a different world for a while helps re-spark that imagination. If your imagination has been run dry by you trying to put it out onto a page, then fill it up with something new. Try a new book in your favorite genre. Try a new author. Try a different genre. See what helps refuel that creativity within you. Another bit of advice that I have taken that I think some authors will disagree with me on is to not write, to set the book aside and then go experience life. I was recently listening to a podcast, actually, that was talking about the dark side of the Nutcracker. We are recording this episode during the month of December. And they were talking about how Tchaikovsky was commissioned by the Russian government to create a ballet. And he was struggling big time with trying to get this written. He would self-isolate. He went on conducting tours. He did this. He did that. Nothing was working to help him get it out. Then his sister died. Big tragedy in his life. He was very attached to her. But... That proved to be the inspiration for the main character in the ballet. And the beauty that she saw in the world was a reflection of his sister. So in this case, it's a sad way of experiencing life. But detaching yourself from life and from experiencing humanity and what it means to be human will make you a very cold writer sometimes. While I agree with you on the need to experience life, I disagree with you on putting it down. This all depends on who you are. If you're like me, if you're a procrastinator, putting it down will lead to leaving it down forever. So for me personally, when I have writer's block and I'm feeling like it's not working, I force myself to sit and write anyways. Because if I don't, It will never get written, as shown by my first work in progress that's there haunting me for the last decade. I have so many unfinished works because I'll set it aside and I'll go experience life and then I'll be inspired to write something completely different over here. My writing bookshelf consists of two very different styles one of an action fantasy swords and sorcery style, and then one of a modern day action CIA vigilantes, that kind of style. They're two very different audiences, but I'll just bounce back and forth between the two because, oh, this sounds like fun and yay guns. Oh, this sounds like fun. Oh, yay bows and arrows. I like creating new worlds and I like blowing stuff up. So, Wherever the muse strikes, I'll often be thinking about one in each of the categories. What else do you do to get over writer's block? If it's a fear of the scene kind of writer's block, I will often change points of view. This is kind of skirting around the issue instead of solving it. 
but feeling like I'm making progress in any regard will help me get past that mind block of I'm not good enough for the scene. One of the last solutions that I have found that works for me is basically partially to stoke my ego. And that is I have alpha readers. I have people in my life who I can send a partial manuscript to. They can give me feedback on this is a really interesting plot line. Or my fight choreographer will tell me, hey, this is not the way that weapon is used. Maybe you should have this weapon instead. And okay, now I have to redesign something about the character. Gets the juices flowing and I can keep moving forward. So... There is a social element to getting past writer's block that has proven helpful for me. You have had more writer's block than most people that I know. So you have a huge amount of experience in getting past it and publishing your first book. What would you say is your go-to response when you get writer's block? The social element for me is huge as well because most of my writer's block comes from insecurities from me personally thinking that my writing isn't good enough, that things aren't working right, that I'm not going to do justice to the ideas that I have in my head. So I seek validation. I go to my writer's group and I talk it out. I tell them what I have, what I need to do, where I need to go, tell them what I'm stuck on, and they'll throw out ideas. Sometimes I take them, sometimes I just listen and nod my head and go, okay, that's interesting. (laughs) But that process of just discussing it helps me find little tidbits that I couldn't get to before. Them saying, oh, that sounds really interesting, helps me get past those insecurities of this isn't good enough and just keep going. So the social element, that writing group is huge, huge help for me. Without the writing group, I would not be a published author. I think between the two of us, you are much better about taking ideas. But even if your listeners are more like me, where you're combative and this is my story and I have to do it right, even having that discussion, that argument of, no, it can't work like that. Okay, prove it. Write it down. Show me how I'm wrong and do it your way. Having that conversation still helps turn that faucet on. Yes. The other thing that I have to do is set goals. I've said it before, I'll say it again, I am a 100% procrastinator. Procrastination queen sitting here. If I don't have a deadline, if I don't have a solid goal that I'm working towards, I'll never finish. So if I hit that writer's block and I don't have a need to hit that 50,000 words before the end of the month, I'll just let it sit. Until I get enough people saying, hey, why aren't you writing? For me to go, oh, yeah, maybe I should actually work on that already. So I set deadlines and I make daily word count goals. I don't always hit them. During NaNoWriMo, I had a daily word count goal of the standard sixteen to 1,700 words a day. I think it's 1,667 words a day. One of those days, I hit two words. That's all I added to my story was two words. Do you know what those two words were? Scene 19. (laughs) But you still worked on it. You still made that much progress. A little bit. There was something there that I could say, I wrote something that day. Wasn't much. Really doesn't count. But I wrote. 
Do you also like set prizes for yourself where, okay, I'm going to allow myself to eat that tub of ice cream once I get a thousand words down or once I hit 50,000 words, I can read this Sanderson book or something? Not really. I don't have the self-control for that. (laughs) (laughs) If it's there, I want to do it. So I can't be like, hey, if you write 1600 words, you get to have that thing of ice cream. I'll just be like, I'll eat the thing of ice cream while I write. (laughs) There you go. But the other thing that I do, and I found myself doing this a little bit between NaNo and this week of needing to read something else. My brain was exhausted from writing 50,000 words in a month. I needed a break from writing and I was really struggling with the story in general. So it was wonderful that Brandon Sanderson's Rhythm of War had just come out. So I started reading that and gave me that opportunity, like I said earlier, to refill my creativity, learn from an author that I really admire. It's probably no coincidence that the day after I finished that, I decided that I needed to restart my story. But you're restarting from a place of experience. Your time and your efforts in NaNoWriMo were not wasted. Absolutely not. There's a lot of my story that I'm still keeping. And this is kind of the last thing that I do to get over writer's block. Because I did sit for almost a week staring at my story, working on the same scene, writing maybe a thousand words total in a week, I realized that this story wasn't happening the way it was written. Something was wrong with my antagonist. Something was fundamentally wrong about the plot that I could not feasibly make the end of the story happen with the way that everything was written so far. So I'm pushing it aside, starting a new doc after sitting with my editor and discussing how to actually plot the whole thing. I'm kind of starting over, starting from experience, and then I'm going to just write. This time, I'm going to ignore how bad it may be so long as I'm following that plot that I set up with my editor. Every scene doesn't matter. It doesn't need to be perfect. That can be fixed later. I'm just going to keep writing and I'm not going to stop writing until I'm actually done with this draft. And yes, listeners, we know that is much easier said than done. Much easier. (laughs) This is a skill you develop as you keep writing. It's very difficult to start from there. I thought it was interesting that the day before we record this episode, we go out to lunch And both discuss where we are in our stories and get frustrated at our own stories. And we both discussed it enough to move forward in our own plots. Yes, because that's what sometimes you need to happen is if you're frustrated with it, if you're struggling, talk it out. Whether you're just sitting in a room and talking to yourself about it. Writers are crazy. It's okay. If you don't want to talk it out, write it out. Just get something down on the page to help move forward. Sometimes just starting to write will open up that floodgate of creativity. You can delete stuff. You don't have to include everything that you wrote in your final draft. You can get rid of stuff. Just start writing. One of the bits of advice that I was looking up for the opener for this said, if you have writer's block, write about having writer's block. Because 
as the saying goes, you can't edit a blank page. It doesn't matter if you're writing the plot you want to be writing. If you're writing something during that writing time, you are still progressing and moving forward as an author. And that's what matters. So we've talked about what we do. Now you need to figure out what works best for you because every author, their writer's block is unique to them. Whether your reason is you're insecure about what you're writing, whether the reason is the plot line is no longer working because you're a pantser and you didn't know where you were going when you started, I feel ya. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it is, use art ideas to figure out what works for you. Whether that's taking a break, whether that's just sitting and writing whatever comes to mind. And let us know if we missed something that you found really works for you. Our email address is at the end of the episode. We would love to have you join our community and give advice that you found that works as well. Email us, find us on Facebook, and give us your two cents about how you get over writer's block. One of the questions that we got in our Frequently Asked Questions collection that kind of goes with this is, is it okay to take a break from writing every once in a while? Absolutely. Absolutely. Even speaking as someone who has taken a 10-year break, it is perfectly okay to stop writing because you don't want to get to that point where you no longer like to write. Yeah, if you're burning yourself out on it, then let it go. Leave it alone. This should be an enjoyable, selfish endeavor. If you're not writing selfishly in any of this, then it might be a good sign to take a break. Make sure you're enjoying the process. And if you do take that break, don't hate on yourself for taking a break. No guilt. No guilt at all for taking a respite if you need it. Because we all need it. We all have lives outside of writing. There's a lot going on in the world. It can be hard to dedicate time to writing. Sometimes you just need to take a step back. And that's perfectly okay. Don't feel bad about it. You do you. Speaking of doing me, I've found for me, if I am taking a break, I need to schedule it. Because if I don't say, okay, I'm going to get back into writing after my birthday. If I don't get back into writing after I finish reading this book, if I don't have a time in my life where I have dedicated I'm getting back into writing at this point, it's very easy for me to keep pushing it off and, oh, I can watch another show on Netflix and I can, yeah, I have time for an extra music group and all of these other things that drag me away from writing, I'm giving them permission to take over my life. If I say, yes, at the end of the summer, I'm going to start writing again. I can commit to stage managing for a show so long as it ends by this timeline. I can get myself back into it because I have it planned in my head. So however long your break is, is up to you. You choose how long of a break you need. Just don't let yourself give up writing entirely. If that's something that you want to do, Keep pursuing it because writing is a wonderful hobby. It's definitely the most fulfilling thing I've ever done in my life. I don't have kids, so I can say that. There is so much that satisfies me about writing that helps me escape from the world and helps me deal with the world at the same time. 
so much that my puzzle solving aspects in my brain want to latch onto, which is why I'm a plotter. So much of the entire process makes me feel accomplished in life in a way that my sister really enjoys to exercise. I really don't. But at the end of the day, she's exhausted. I've accomplished something. At the end of the year, I have 300,000 words down. She is exactly the same as she was a year ago, which is her goal. That's her hope. She wants to maintain weight and blah, blah, blah. Great. Good for her. I feel like there is more that's been accomplished in my life as a writer. But that accomplishment only moves forward if you continue to write. If I enjoy writing. I wanted to add one final thing that may help you get over writer's block. If you don't know where you want to go in your current work in progress, but you want to write something, find a writing prompt and write a short story. Just write something. That's a lot of what our writing club does, is once a month we'll each write a short story so that next time we meet we can share it with each other. And this isn't to happen instead of writing, but this is to help expand your writing in a way. It helps get the creative juices flowing so that you can take those ridiculous ideas that you don't think will work in your work in progress and throw them at this weird writing prompt that you got and into a short story. And if you find out that you like it, you may be able to take some of the elements and stick it into your work in progress. And there are always those scenes that you know don't belong in a story, but they're so much fun to write. You want to write them anyway. I mean, wasn't that basically the entirety of Deadpool's character written by Stan Lee? Pretty much, yeah. It took all of the things that he wanted to do, but couldn't in a traditional superhero and created the antihero that Deadpool is. And we love him for it. Yes. <laughs> so we hope our ideas have helped you figure out different ways to overcome writer's block. But we want to go back a little bit and look at the source of writer's block. We've said before that in your characterization and in your plot, one good thing to include is a lie that your character believes about themselves that holds them back from their true self or their true purpose or achieving their goals. Believe it or not, there are lies that you believe about yourselves that keep you in writer's block. So we're going to talk about some of those lies that you may believe about yourself. These are all ones that I've come up with because I have recognized I've been telling myself these lies about this or that scene or story. So this is a voice of experience and a personal my experience about my own writing. And we want to answer each one of these lies as well shatter the lies to reveal the wonderful truth that lies underneath that will help you keep writing. The biggest thing that stops me from writing is I know what needs to happen and I'll tell myself this scene needs to be just right. I cannot remember a time when I thought that and after I finished the book it was my favorite scene in the story. It was never that scene. It's okay if a scene, especially in that first draft, isn't just right. It is perfectly okay to write a perfectly okay scene. 
editing is a thing. We tell you this all the time. When you're in your first draft, the scene just needs to be written. It doesn't need to be right. I think it was Pratchett who said that the first draft is just you telling yourself the story. Exactly. So just right doesn't qualify in this. That's not, it's a moot point. It's a bad question. So no, your scene doesn't need to be perfect. Your writing doesn't need to be perfect. In order to qualify to be perfect, it needs to exist and that's it. Yes. The next lie is that your audience is going to put down the book if you write what you want to write. For me, this came in the context of writing terribly dark stuff when the bad guy was doing terrible things to the good guys. A fair amount of my conflicts happen around imprisonment because it's a fascinating expression of control over somebody. And I go down some very dark paths because of this. And I ask myself, I was like, is, am I going too far? Why would anybody want to read this? Because it's too much. If you are getting your target audience correct, your audience will not put down the book. Now, if you are targeting the wrong audience, maybe. But that all comes later. It doesn't matter in your first draft. In the first draft, you are your audience. And if you aren't writing what you want to write, you are going to put down the book. And that's a tragedy. Another question that goes hand in hand with that one is, what is my mom going to think when she reads this book? It took me a long time to come to terms with the fact that Though my mom supports my writing very much, she's not likely to read my books. She's not my target audience. Her opinion is a moot point because she's not going to read it. And that's okay. I would rather her enjoy whatever it is that she enjoys rather than feel like she's obligated to read my work because it's mine. If you're writing for your mother, then that's one thing. But if you're writing for you, if you're writing to tell your story, it really doesn't matter what your mom will think, or anyone else for that matter. It matters what you think. And I think my mom would be fairly offended if I forced myself into being somebody else for her sake. Another question that I ask myself that stops me from moving forward from writing this scene is I'm wondering if it's too early or too late in the story to introduce this particular information. This is one of those cases that you need to realize, just put it in and your editor will help you decide later whether it needs to stay, whether it needs to move. If it's information that your reader needs to know, then it belongs in the story. Where it belongs can be decided later. Just get it out. Just put it down. Let the information exist. In my current work in progress, I've actually texted you more than once going, okay, I'm halfway through act two. Is it too late to reveal a main character's name at this point? Having your editor on speed dial is super helpful in this case. Not always plausible, but if you have someone that you trust to give you good writing advice, whether or not they're your editor... 
they can be a huge help with this. Pretty sure I gave you two different answers. Yes, you did. I'm going to make you read it and then you decide. But having that distance from the story is sometimes all you need to have a good perspective to answer those questions. But if you don't have that person, throw it in. You'll figure it out later. Another lie that a lot of people find themselves believing and that keeps them from writing is this. I don't know enough about this subject to be writing with any authority. I'm supposed to write what I know, right? No. This is one of those lies that keeps people from writing because it sends them down research rabbit holes that last for years or, you know, hours. Their entire writing time is spent researching. If you don't feel like you know enough about the subject, write what you think works, just get something down, and then find someone who is an expert to read that scene to help you out later. Yeah, don't let the future get in the way of the present by any means. I find that I am writing what I hope is true because I'm writing an alternate history style right now. I really hope that this is the case. And I eventually found out that, nope, this town won't work for what I want this story to take place. I changed the town. That's part of the process. And the writing process and the editing process is to fact check it later. Yes. Put something down. I actually ran into this last night. I was writing a particular scene. I needed to know one small little factoid. So I wrote something in there, made a comment and a highlight, and then sent off a text to say, hey, what is this? What's the actual applicability of this? And then just kept writing. If you need to fix this, there are so many resources online. There are so many groups on Facebook of people with real-world knowledge willing to answer writers' questions. I'm part of a Facebook group called Cops and Writers, and I have both asked questions and answered questions. If somebody asks a question about dispatching, I can answer it because that's my job. But I ask a lot of questions about big city operations because I know small town operations. I don't know big city operations. There are groups of lawyers. There's groups of first responders and nurses and doctors all out there willing to answer questions of writers because they know they want to see good, real science, good, real knowledge of their profession in fiction. So write what you need to write and then go find a group to answer your question later. Another thing I've told myself that has stopped me from writing is a judgment on the quality of the actual writing. Most of the time when I'm looking at my own writing and I'm judging it, I'm comparing my writing to fantastic authors out there. And when I read this and that author, I'll admire a line. I'll like finish and put the book aside just so I can give that line full time in my brain and my understanding before moving on because it's a great line. And then I'll look at my own writing and go, I haven't written a good line in three books. There's no artistry to my writing. It's just word vomit. 
This is one of those times that you need to recognize that it's a first draft. The words that you use can be changed and fixed later. You can make it sound more artistic later if that's your goal, but you can't fix what you haven't written. Also, artistry in writing is overrated. I would rather read and be entertained than read and go, well, that was some fancy writing. I'm bored, but that was fancy. And the final lie that we are going to discuss is that no one is going to want to read this. If you want to write it, that's enough. We're in such an information-saturated age. There is an audience for every story. There are far more audience members out there than there are creators. Your audience for your steampunk, erotica, fantasy, whatever, there is an audience for that. If you're writing a Lovecraftian supernatural fanfic with Twilight in there somewhere, there is an audience for that. You had me until Twilight. (laughs) (laughs) If you're writing, someone is going to want to read it. Connecting with them is the difficult part. That's the marketing job. That's not for now. For now, for your first draft, for just getting it down on the page, you just need to write. Figure out who's going to buy it later. That's fine. You'll figure it out. Someone will buy it. It may just be your mom, but hey, your mom's great. (laughs) Yes, she is. Telling yourself that no one is going to want to read this is straight up a lie. There is somebody out there and they're waiting for you to finish your book so they can read it. If you come away with one thing today, we want that to be that writing is a worthy pursuit and that you, despite what you may think, are good at it. People may tell you that things need to get fixed, that things need to be changed. That's fine. But if you're writing, if you just keep pursuing that, you're a good writer. You can never be a bad writer unless you're not writing. Which I think is why so many people are terrified of writer's block. But in the end, every bit of advice we've given over this episode comes down to just two words. Write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing.